Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Kelly Gilson, one of my favorite people in the world. I am so excited to have you on the Mike Litton Experience. Thank you for joining us, bud. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you reaching out and excited to be here with you. You're one of one of my favorite humans as well. Couldn't, couldn't say no to Mike Litton. You're amazing, buddy, and I appreciate it. So like we talked about, everybody has a story. And our passion with the Mike Litton Experience is to help them tell it. So what I'd like to do with your permission is just start from the very beginning, go through your entire life story. So let's talk about where were you born? Yeah, I was actually born in a little town called Norfolk, Nebraska. Okay. Uh, we won't we won't go into the details of Norfolk, Nebraska, but it's about twenty five thousand people. Uh, yeah. My my parents relocated from uh, lost the Los Angeles greater area back in uh, the early eighties, and and uh, myself and my Two other brothers were born there. My sister was born out in Los Angeles. But uh, yeah, we we ended up in a small town in Northeast Nebraska. Oh, that's exciting, man. So did you grow up in Nebraska? I did. I did 27 years in Nebraska. Um, wow. So I was I was in Norfolk, uh, this huge metropolis, like I said, 25,000 people. And then in <laughs> eighth grade, we moved to a town of 1,200 people uh, called Wisner, Nebraska, uh, my my father was a basketball coach and a guidance counselor, and and uh, that took us to the smaller school. He wanted to to coach his sons, um, and that was the opportunity. So it was about twenty five miles away from where I was born. Yeah, I ended up there. Um, I graduated high school from Wisner Pilger um, High School again. Small town, consolidated town. I know people in California don't really understand what that means, um, but we were. We had smaller towns uh, where they had an elementary school and then their their students, uh, you know, were bused into our huge metropolis of 1,200 people. Um, and I graduated with 34 other students. So I had a, a whopping huge class of 35, 35 wow. kids. Wow. What a way yeah. to grow up. So yeah, uh, it was different. So what was your favorite thing about growing up in Norfolk? Um. You know, now reflecting on it, uh, you know, Norfolk, it, it instilled, the, the small town instilled some some really good lifelong values, um, you know, being kind, being nice, uh, but also working hard to get ahead. Um, and then, like I said, moving to this even, even smaller town, um, it allowed me to experience a lot. You know, sometimes I think out here, kids can be put in a box or, or you only get to pick one sport or one activity and you got to go all in in that. You know, I was, I played four sports. Um, I was in the one act play uh, behind the scenes, flipping on lights. Um, I got to, I got to do a little bit of everything. 
Um, I held a high school job. I worked at the local grocery store. I worked, I mowed lawns on the weekends. I worked on farms on the weekends. Um, and I knew everybody and I, and I got to be around, you know, a, a small tight knit community, which, uh, we know can, uh, can bring some trouble, uh, but also, um, equally an opposite, bring some, some goodness to it as well. Yeah. So what was your favorite thing about high school? High school is, like I said, probably experiencing everything, um, being able to try four different sports or play four different sports, excel in four different sports um, and and just be a part of everything. I didn't have to I didn't really have to say no to anything. So I got to try a bunch of things, figure out what I liked and didn't like um, and go further in the things that I like. And and uh, I still I still do that. I still try a bunch of things and if i like it i i go down it um and i i go 100 at it and if i don't you know i just i know how to quit something very quickly if it's if it's not the right fit for me yeah so did you have a favorite sport in high school i did um i i it really enjoyed playing basketball i played some college basketball um you know i joke around no one told me i was six, one in white until I was about 20 years old. Um, and I had to guard a six, seven guy that had transferred down from Memphis. Uh, <laughs> and when he, when he swept the ball and, and, uh, could touch the top of the backboard to dunk, I, uh, I knew my basketball days were, were numbered yeah. at that point. So let me ask you this, who was the most influential person to you growing up? Uh, growing my parents, um, probably probably more so my father. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, I was, he was my basketball coach. He was my guidance counselor, um, you know, but he, he also spent a ton of time with us. Um, like I said, I had two, two brothers. He took us to the YMCA almost every single Sunday. We we're playing two on two basketball, two on two flag football. Um, you know, he was, he was there all the time, is there all the time. Um, him and I still talk, you know, matter of fact, just got done a 25 minute conversation. Him and I talk for 20 to 40 minutes every single day, five, five out of the seven days, um, a week. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Is yeah. he still coaching? He just retired two years ago. He coached for 43 years. Um, he probably around 500 wins as a basketball coach. Um, and then he was a football coach as well and, and, um, excelled in that, but, uh, mainly known, he was known for his, flat top, his mustache and his suspenders. And, uh, he was, he was pretty vocal on Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Um, he was well known in, in all the communities. Um, but it was really cool. He, he had retired and then got picked back up coaching in Omaha at a private school and school, you know, didn't know who he was prior, prior to that, but he took a couple teams that weren't supposed to be very good to the to the state tournament and you had the entire student body wearing suspenders and fake mustaches oh, um, and, awesome, and making man. making shirts about him so he uh yeah he's a he's a special special individual that uh has influenced thousands from the educational and coaching space that's cool is he enjoying retirement yeah yeah he is he just uh he he just got back from vegas uh yesterday um he's a He's a sun person, um, so they they visit Vegas frequently. He just put a pool in his backyard. He's he's living it up right now. Where's he living? He lives in Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, so he's back there still. Okay. Yep, yep. My my entire family actually. Uh, I have both my parents are 
alive and still together and two brothers and a sister and uh, two sister-in-laws and then six nieces and nephews uh, ranging from my youngest nephew is a fifth grader and my oldest nephew turns 21 next month uh, and he's he's pitching for Creighton University right now yeah, yeah. he's a yeah. star he's a he's a stud he's yeah. a stud he's a He's a good kid with a, a sh probably probably more work ten times more work ethic than I had uh, in dedication to a to a singular sport. Um, so it's it's cool to see, you know he he's not out. He's a junior in college and he's not out partying every single night. Um, and I can't say that I wasn't. Um, yeah. And he he uh, he's in the weight room, you know, more than he's doing anything else. And and then wow. you know really really going hard. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I know you're really proud of him. I know that you've actually gone um, to travel. You've actually traveled to go see him play. Yeah. And I yeah, know I've been fortunate, fortunate enough to see him play multiple times. Um, they, they have a West Coast trip almost every single year. And then I try to make it back to Omaha to watch him play. Um, my goal this year. So he's, he's supposed to be a starter or hopefully going to be a starter. Um, and then if they make the conference tournament the way that he's in the Big East and the way that they do the conference tournament, it's it's uh, I want to say it's in Minnesota, but it's in this small town and like everything, I guess, is completely free. And it's just like a giant celebration. And it's the top four teams that make it. And uh, they made it his freshman year. And I didn't go out. Um, so I'm going to follow him close. But that that's the goal is to to be there in the spring. That's cool, man. That's cool. So when you, so you graduate from high school. Then where do you go? <laughs> um, so that I let basketball kind of lead the path for the next couple of years. Um, I actually attended four different colleges in four straight semesters, uh, concurrent wow. sem semesters. Um, again, making basketball decisions, went to one, found out that wasn't going to be the place for me, uh, transferred to a junior college um, in in uh, right around this time, so it was right around Halloween time, was there for two months. I think I took 12 or 15 credits in those two months, finished them up so I could play the second semester. Played the second semester, um, and then I had too many credits to pretty much stay at the junior college. So I I transferred to the University of Nebraska at Omaha, was going to walk on to try to play basketball. That didn't work out. Um, so I spent a semester there, and then I transferred to Peru State, uh, which is a small state school in Nebraska that borders Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri. It's right there on the four corners. It was a small teaching college, um, but I went down there and and uh, played about a year year of basketball there and uh, got my educators, my math uh, and social sciences endorsement and and graduated. So even though I went to four different colleges and four straight semesters, I still was able to graduate in under four years and took me about three years and then a semester of student teaching. But uh, I met my wife during that, or I started dating my wife. I, I've actually known my wife for quite some time, but started uh, start dating my wife my end of my sophomore year in, in college and and decided, uh, like I said, I got that realization that uh, basketball was... was uh, was coming to an end for me and and uh it was a small campus and i i didn't necessarily want to be there so i i went into my counselor's office and said hey what's the quickest way out of here um you know she mapped out it was going to be two year two more years in in student teaching 
-hmm. I politely asked for the student handbook. Um, I took it home two days later, I returned and I mapped out how I could finish in about a year. Uh, she thought I was crazy um, because that included taking 43 credit hours between January and July. Mm -hmm. um, so seven full months and 43 credit hours, which I was basically a triple time student, um, but I did it. I signed up full-time on campus, full-time online. And then there was an adjunct campus um, in Bellevue, which is an off at Air Force, Air Force Base. So they, mm -hmm. they offered night classes. Um, wow. So I, I, I signed up for 43 credits and I, and I just did it. I did it. Well, knowing you, that does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, now knowing what I know, it, it's not as surprising to, to the people that know me. Yeah. Um, I, I like to have the plate full and I, I was working full time as well at a uh, um, sports store selling shoes. Uh, we at that time also found out we were we were pregnant with our first child um, mm -hmm. who is now in high school. Yeah. Wow, man, that's amazing. What a story. Yeah. So <laughs> so you get your teaching credential and you start teaching, right? Yeah. And that yep. was normal. Um, no. Um, so yeah, just the craziness continued. We were living in Omaha. I'd student taught in Omaha. Um, and then, but I graduated in December. Um, mm -hmm. and we were graduating December 15th. My daughter was, uh, scheduled C cesarean section to be the day after Christmas. Wow. Um, so we knew that. And I also knew that I needed to find a job and I needed to have health insurance and, yeah. and, uh, life was going to become real, real, real quick. Welcome um, to adulting. <laughs> yeah. And so I actually, uh, I went online and, and just started searching jobs and, and I applied for about five different teaching jobs in Omaha and then one in Wichita, Kansas, um, got a call from the Wichita Southeast High School administration, drove down there, uh, interviewed, and on my way back, they offered me a job, um, wow. and I and I just took it. Awesome. Yeah, didn't ask many questions. They said yes, so I said yes, and so we had my daughter the day after Christmas. Um, I think it was January 2nd. I packed up, my dad and I and a buddy packed up my apartment. I drove down there, um, got got stuff, semi-moved in. My, my wife um, then got out of the hospital. Her mom drove her and and my daughter down. And and January fourth, I started teaching at a new high school in a new city. And wow, like I said, you just go you go straight into the fire and you figure it out. Incredible. So, how long did you teach in Wichita? One semester. Okay. One semester. So I I taught that semester. Um, we made the decision there was an opportunity for me to go back to Omaha. Um, actually, my dad had moved down from Wisner to Omaha. He was a guidance counselor there, not coaching at the time, but there was an opening, a math math teaching opening at the high school that he was at. Um, so he made a phone call and and it gave us an opportunity to move back. So we, we moved back then in June, um, bought our first house and and then I start teaching in Omaha for the next uh, six years. Cool. So let me ask you this. What was your favorite thing about teaching in Omaha? Teaching just in general was was the kids. Um, I So in, in Kansas and in Omaha, um, the first couple of schools that I taught at was lower socioeconomic 
Um, a lot of kids were were from some rough places, r- had some rough backgrounds, had some um, you know not favorable not favorable upbringings. Um, and on top of that, you know, teaching math, which is, as we know, everyone's favorite subject. Um, and, but they, you know, a lot of these kids have been told that, you know, for lack of better words, they were dumb, they were stupid, they couldn't do things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got around kids and and you get to know humans and, and, you know, the, the beauty about where I was teaching and what I was teaching there wasn't high expectations. And so I would throw away the books and we would talk about high expectations and I would bring the coaching to the classroom. And, and I was fortunate. My dad grew up um, as a huge disciple of John Wooden and we would, we would John Wooden it, you know, we would, we would talk about believing in yourself and, and a lot of those kids, you know, I don't know where they're at today, but you know, they came in as a low math student is uh, how they thought of themselves and they were getting straight A's or they're getting A's in math in my class. And, and it was just a belief system. That's awesome. So it's called the pyramid of yeah. success, right? Pyramid of success. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Love John Wooden. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Yep. Huge. Definitely has been influential in my, like I said, my, my life, my upbringing, um, you know, yeah. So you teach math for five years in Omaha, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm also at the same time coaching, uh, coaching basketball as an assistant for a couple of different schools. I was a head cross country coach, an assistant track coach. Um, so I know it's hard to believe, but uh, teachers don't necessarily make this huge income. Uh, so you you pick up side jobs uh, and you just you work more for. So each one of those coaching jobs, I think, were between fifteen hundred and twenty five hundred dollars um, as a as a stipend, and then. And then I coached uh, summer um, basketball and made it made a little bit of money during the summer doing private stuff. Do what you um, do, right? Yep. So, yeah, that runs its course. Um, we so my wife going you know back to my wife. She's from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Her family actually moved to that same small town, that Norfolk, Nebraska, that twenty five thousand people. So here, my parents were from Los Angeles. Her parents are from San Diego, and we meet you know, sometime in middle school and connect around this fact that both of our, both of our parents are from Southern California and both yeah. of us want to live in Southern California. Um, you know, like I said, the, the, the story kind of goes and we, we reconnect in college and started dating. Um, uh, but I, I share that. So we then have our second child, my son, who's now 12, uh, still in Nebraska. He's about two years old and and we make the decision of, all right, we're going to, you know, we're going to go for it. We're going to, we're going to move to Southern California. We're going to move to San Diego and we're going to see what happens. Um, we, we were sitting on the beach when we made that decision, we would come out here for 10 to 14 days every single summer to visit her parents and mm-hmm. her sister lived out here. And, and yeah, we, we sat on the beach and we just said, Hey, let's go for it. And uh, it was kind of like that. Oh, like how and what and why but i shouldn't say why we we knew the why we knew the why was there we knew we wanted to go for it um you know what we didn't know is how it was going to work um and now knowing what i know now it's never about the how it's always about the why and and uh so funny enough we we make that decision um i start applying for teaching jobs in temecula Mm -hmm. um and 
and I get a call back fairly quickly to interview for a head math um, or head basketball and, and math job at Temecula Valley High School. Mm-hmm. And the day before my interview, I get a call saying, hey, we're, we're excited for your interview tomorrow, um, but we haven't got your California credentials. And, and I said, I don't, you know, I don't have California credentials. And, and part of the story that, I've, that I left out, so after I graduated, again, to make more money in, in teaching, you either do more or you learn more. And so I wanted to do both. So I, I went back to, to school while I was full-time teaching and, and got my master's right away. Um, oh, so I, I cool. tell, I tell the administration, you know, I have, I was almost finished my second master's. Um, I'm, um, certified to teach in Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri. You know, if that's not enough for an interview, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, it's not, you know, it's, it's district policy. Um, you got to have your California credentials. Um, you know, we, we're not going to be able to do this interview. And I said, okay, so what do you, what do you suggest? And, uh, you know, they, I, they threw around some ideas of, I think of being a paraprofessional, um, but also being a substitute. And I said, okay, so what's that, you know, what's that pay? You're talking 120 to $140 a day. Not I'm enough. looking at California. Yeah. I'm looking at California yeah. home prices in 2013 was an uh, astronomical number to me. You know, yeah. I bought my first house at $141,000. Um, you know, of course now knowing what I know, I would wish I would have bought a hundred homes, <laughs> uh, even in Temecula, you know, when the asking price was between three fifty and four fifty. So, so anyway, um, I just said, no, you know, I, I can't do that. Um, got off the phone and, and, uh, my wife and I thought and talked about it and she, it was really her idea. She's like, why don't you try real estate? And I said, okay. And uh, so, so I go ahead and I, I tell my principal, I tell my family, I'm not coming back. Um, I, I do stay to my commitment. So we made the decision in June of 13. Um, but I had already made a commitment to that school that I would teach there. I didn't want to leave them on an Island. So, so we took our time. I taught there the next year Uh, during that same time. I, I took my, got all my real estate classes done. Um, I drive out here, my, my wife and two kids fly out, we get settled in, we had purchased a house. Um, they get settled in about a week later, I drive out here with my dog. On a Friday night and Tuesday morning, um, I take the real estate exam, I, I fail it the first time I, I signed back up for it on Thursday. So two days later, and passed it. Um, and, and then, you know, Friday I'm, I'm door knocking, I'm, I'm in the office and I'm, I'm figuring out, you know, how am I going to do this thing? Where'd you go to work when you first got your license? I, you go to work? The first, uh, first brokerage I worked for was Rancon real estate up in Temecula, okay. um, small boutique brokerage, but they, I think it was the first brokerage up in Temecula ever. Um, you know, yeah, when, back when there was, time. yeah, back when, you know, now, now it's, it, it actually just was sold in the last year um, or last couple of years went to a couple different owners uh, because of some, some different things. But yeah, back in 1990, I think they had 20, 25,000 people up there um, and then it had grown, but the, uh, the owner, Dan Stevenson um, was a big developer and he, he started this residential side. So um, I met with 
the broker of record, Mike Diaz up there and, and him and I got along great and went into work and, and I had no idea, you know, I had the employee mindset. I had, you know, tell me what to do and I'm going to run through a wall and do it. Um, you know, so I, I went into the office the next week and said, Hey, you know, I have, I have a house payment now. I have two kids, a wife, uh, and I live in Southern California. You know, how am I going to pay for this? We have a sense of urgency. We have a big sense of urgency. And, (laughs) and, you know, I think, I think one of the initial conversations was how much do you have in savings? And I, I said, well, let's not worry about that because I I don't have much. Um, You know, I I think I had saved $20,000 and that majority of that had come from, I cashed out my retirement, you know, of, of Nebraska against, against my dad's, uh, wishes and said, why don't you keep it in there just in case? Um, and, and I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I was burning the fucking boats as as Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins would say. And, and I did, and we also needed that money. (laughs) So I, I cashed that out and I, I said, I, you know, I have enough, I have enough for six months. Um, but I, I'm, I'm treating like, like I have none. Um, so he said, what's worked for me is I, I door knock and I do open houses, um, you know, and I didn't really know what that meant, but I was willing to do it. So I would go door knock a hundred doors every single morning, um, you know, before it got to be 115 degrees, because it's now June in Temecula, or July in Temecula. And, and it does get that hot, by the way. And it gets, it gets 115 <laughs> degrees real quick, uh, usually by about 11 o'clock. And I would, I would most of the time go home and, and shower, rinse off, change clothes because I would be dripping and go into the office. And I would write thank you notes to the people I talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I held open houses almost every single Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, yeah, we, we scraped together a few sales that first year. I think my first full year of doing real estate was... 11 or 12 sales. Wow. Um, yeah. Which I mean, now I, I look at it was, was an accomplishment because I, I knew. Yeah, so take it back. The, the first thing I was told was go call everyone and tell them everyone that you know, and tell them you're in real estate. Yeah. I said, well, that's easy. I know one family out here. Mm-hmm. And I told them, I called them and I told them I was in real estate. They already knew they, they helped me find the house out there. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, I didn't have a circle of influence. I didn't have everything that every you know, I didn't have my family to go buy from. I didn't have my friends to go buy from, uh, oh. buy and sell from. So I just start working with strangers. Um, and, and that was the way that was the only way. And, and like I said, so we strung together some sales um, that takes me through year one. Um, and I honestly, I think there was a, a time I had worked, I mean, the story, it's probably a, somewhat of a embellishment and a big fish story, but I, I think it was around 94, 96 days straight of just, just working. And we took the day off. We drove up uh, to, to Encinitas. We go sit at the same beach that uh, we made the decision to move out here. And, and I looked at my wife and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I, I didn't come out. I don't have two master's degree to come out here. Um, and if I'm going to have to work, you know, eight to 10 hours every single day for almost 365 days, I don't, this isn't the life that I want. I want to be around you. I want to be around the kids. Um, and she just like, give it, give it another year and let's see what happens. And, and I also then kind of realized if I'm going to do this, it, it can't just be brute force. Yeah. It can't just be my energy. And, and I started to really get into self-development at that time. Um, I started listening to, to podcasts, a 
a lot of podcasts at that time um, and start just getting into audiobooks and reading and, and, you know, you go from rich dad to poor dad to a Tony Robbins to uh, Mike Ferry to, and then I land on a Craig Proctor, um, I guess, you know, virtually a website on lead capture. And I end up at one of their half day seminars and the whole pitch was work less, make more. Um, and and there were a lot of things that just kind of spoke to me, but, you know, it was really about how do you build an actual business that doesn't, doesn't uh, revolve around you doing everything. And I, so I just was like, I have to, I have to try this. So I go, I sign up at the half day seminar to the three day seminar and I go there and, and, you know, they ask for a $10,000 coaching deposit for the year. And I text my wife and and I said, I don't know how much we have in the account right now, uh, but I'm doing this. She, you know, I'd never spent $10,000 on anything in my life. So yeah. for, you know, outside of a car and a house, um, for her to, to believe in me and, and was, you know, amazing. Uh, but we threw it on a no interest credit card, uh, split it into 12 payments. But I, I began this coaching program. And the right people start showing up in my life, right mentors start showing up in my life. And it was more of the same message of you can't, can't do everything by yourself. You, yeah. you need to, you need to not be cheap, not be lazy um, as a lot of real estate agents were described as uh, yeah. to me. And, and I was, well, I was thinking, shit, I'm not, I'm not lazy. You know, I'm not, yeah. you know, no one's ever going to call me lazy, but, but I was cheap. I was frugal. Um, I, I was coming from a, save, save, work, work hard, save, save, save mindset. And I did not have that business mindset of, you know, not necessarily that you have to spend money to make money, but you have to have marketing to make money. You have to have leads to make money. Yeah. And so I learned how to, I learned how to generate leads. Um, and this was, this is 2015. Facebook was very different at this point. Um, lead generation through Facebook was not really a well-known thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but this this seminar you know taught me how to write some copy and and i i made a couple ads and i um let them run and i think i was spending 300 or 350 dollars a month uh, on leads and i was generating 150 to 200 leads a month wow. and and i also then learned because i i did not want a cold call when i got there that was the other that was the other uh lead generation system but i I was deathly afraid of cold calling. I yeah. thought if I could look somebody in the eyes, they're at least going to be somewhat nice to me. Mm -hmm. Did not want a cold call. But so now I'm generating these leads and I'm sitting in an office and I'm just calling back these leads. And I, I had a script that I, that I used, but then it evolved into just an internal dialogue. And I start having conversations to all of a sudden I'm meeting with 10 people a week on. And, and now again, I didn't know what I was necessarily doing at that time, but now, you know, just being an advisor of, of this home purchasing process. So after about six months of that, um, you know, I look up and I'm number two at this hundred for 150 person brokerage. I think in my first year I was, I, I was proud of myself for, uh, breaking the top hundred, but now yeah. I'm number two. I said, I closed, I think 15 in a month, um, which was, you know, my 18th or 19th month in the business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and things got real, things got big and got big quick. And, and all of a sudden I thought I was Midas and I had this golden touch and I, 
I started recruiting people to be a part of my team, you know, and that was the, that was the other part of this whole thing is come build a mega team. And, and I did, and I, and uh, then I fell right back on my face uh, because I, I start pouring into recruiting rather than the things that were making money. Um, And that kind of takes me down a path. Um, I end up linking up and starting a brokerage, leaving that brokerage, starting my own brokerage with a partner, starting a mega team. Uh, We build, we kind of rebuild that system. Um, And then in my third year, we sell 117 homes. Um, And things were looking good again. And, you know, life, uh, life is funny. And, and some things, unfortunate things happened. Uh, my business partner and I decided to go separate ways. Um, and here I was back on my face back kind of square one, but of course we, we never start back at square one. We, we start back, but I didn't know that, um, at, at that time. So I moved from Temecula down to Carlsbad, um, thinking I'm going to expand this brokerage and team. And now all of a sudden I have nothing, uh, nothing in the bank account, nothing, not, not knowing anyone once again, um, and, and really feeling defeated, uh, went through a really, really rough time of if this is what business means, if this is what this type of industry means, I'm out. I'm, this is not who I am. This is not why I moved, you know, I'm, I'm out, I'm moving back home. I'm, you know, all of those thoughts, you know, and so you kind of get into, a state of depression. Um, I don't like to say that I was depressed because that would be defining me and putting me into a box, but I was in a state of, of loneliness and depression. And, and I, I created that vicious cycle daily. Um, I tried to show up for my, for my kids. Um, you know, you can't, you can't fake it to your wife. Your wife knows who you are and who you are at your core and, and where your heart's at. And it was, it was tough. I didn't, you know, I don't think I slept for for about six to eight months and and uh that led me to you know really my next opportunity um which you know so i'm trying to go timeline you know at the same time i'm still selling homes you know still having to pay bills you know not i i don't have it in me to completely shut off um you know and and so I'm getting Zillow leads. I'm, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking what is the lowest amount of homes I need to sell in San Diego to just until I find the next thing. Yeah. Um, and again, so that, that takes me to my next adventure. Um, get onto a team that that's doing some Zillow leads at a higher level um, because of, so I think I was converting Zillow leads like at a 30, 35% conversion rate by myself leads me to this team. Um and then I run across an individual that uh, how how you and I met, uh, Mr. Mr. Brian Daly, and I listened to him speak about flipping homes, and he went through a similar journey. And so him and I connected um, at a buddy's event, John Gletch's event down in Coronado. We speak, and then uh, we don't really speak. I think for another six eight months, but I run across this what is now known as a distressed property. Uh, it was an individual that. Uh, did not want anybody to see his house, but was moving to moving him and his family to Washington state, uh, from here. Um, so he did not want to list his property. You know, I went in there thinking I was going to go try to list it, but he said, we're not putting a sign in front. I do not want the neighbors to know. I just need X number. Um, and I, it clicked as I'm leaving this individual's 
um, place. I just said, hey, I'll do everything that I can. And it clicked that, you know, what Brian had said in his message. So I call him, um, I pitch it to him and he ends up purchasing it. I get paid um, a, a fee to find it. And then I get, you know, I get to relist the property and, and it went very quickly. Uh, he turned it around and I think four or five weeks we relisted it. And that is right when the, the madness of 2020 started of, of what we know to, to happen. And, and I had this aha moment of, holy cow, I can, I can do a lot of damage working for one or two people. I need to go find these properties. So that's what kind of happens. Um, and I start doing that. I start doing that. Um, I think I find him five or six properties. And then um, actually you and I, you know, we, we meet, we talk about a property in Claremont um, and it didn't make sense for you guys um, to, to purchase it. Again, this family did not, could not, would not go on the market was not in a state that it could go in the market. Um, so we, my wife and I just said, well, why don't we try it? <laughs> and we call up a, a buddy and an investor and, and uh, we purchase it and, and he purchases it for cash and we fix it up and we sell it and we make a good spread um, because of, you know, mainly the market. Um, but we also figure out, Hey, my wife's a pretty good designer. Yeah. Uh, we work pretty good together. Uh, she did a great job on that house. Yeah. And and she's, her skills, you know, just like any skill has improved over the three years, but she's, she's definitely a talented human being. Yeah. Um, and, and design is, it's allowed her to have some creative outlet. Um, but yeah, so we, we then, you know, now you kind of get in the mindset of, of time versus energy. And, and we start thinking, okay, well, we can have one flip going. I can find flippers one or two, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, income starts to explode that way. Um, so, so that's what we do for the next two years. Um, and that takes us to 20, where are we at? 2022. Right. And then we get the, the great rate hike and we're holding on to, you know, we also, when everything's going well, everything's going well. And you kind of think that you can do whatever you want. Um, well, we purchased the property in Rancho Santa Fe for over the purchase price being over 3 million. Um, we think we have a spread and the market shifts 10%. And all of a sudden you're holding on to papers, interest only payments, and it's an, oh shit, you know, and you, right. you kind of, you, you learn a lot of lessons and, and yes, we, we like to learn lessons and we learn them, we learn them hard and we learn them quick, <laughs> but we do learn them. Um, and so we, we started to reevaluate again um, at that time. And, and uh, you know, what, what we really started to talk about is, okay, we're, we're making good money, but you know, a, a market shift can take that away from you very quickly. Um, and it is just active income. And, and I had ignored some of the messages along the way of, you know, make sure you're buying assets. And we did, we picked up some assets. We, we still own those assets out of state. Um, we have some multifamily and commercial and single family property, but uh, we, I wasn't doing it the way that I probably should have been. Um, and it really made me reevaluate everything that we were doing. Um, and that made me, 
you know, uh, have some different conversations, some new conversations, uh, which brings me to, you know, my next partnership. Um, I link up with Kyle Whistle. Him and I have a conversation back in September of 22. And then the second conversation of, um, you know, hey, he has this big real estate team. Um, they can kind of bird dog and find deals. I can I can run the flips. You know, let's start a flipping division. But also, hey, have you heard of Complete Communities in San Diego? You know, mm-hmm. you're able to develop. And and that's that's really where my story is it is and and went to and we started having you know that conversation a lot of people don't know what complete communities is um but when you can take i had purchased a property the neighbor got a hold of me purchased that neighbor's property and so they're adjacent to each other but it's eleven thousand square feet mm-hmm. and the city is saying hey you can build sixty five thousand square feet on these two combined lots you don't have to go through entitlement you go straight into permitting. Um, we already have the rules of engagement that you're not going to be denied for permits. Mm-hmm. Just play by our rules. And the more the more you give us, the more bonuses we'll give you. Um, and it's, you know, it was like, holy cow, you know, this is, this is a weird opportunity right now. I don't, you know, this San Diego, you know, what I like to tell people is, you know, San Diego in this moment, um, you know, I think it's 108,000 units short of living, um, but we're going through a, the vertical phase of a of a urbanization of a city, um, and a lot of people are just going to blink and it's going to happen, and you're going to wake up and it's going to be there. Um, and I kind of got jolted by seeing this, you know, about 12 to 15 months ago, and then just really having the blessing of, of the market shifting and me being able to having to say, Hey, I have to look at this different. Um, and then really thinking like, Oh, this is a, this is a unique opportunity. This isn't going to be here, um, for, you know, in terms of a lifetime, it's not going to be here for very long. You know, if it's, if it's two, two to five years, um, we'll be lucky. Um, and I, I think it could be even shorter than that five year period. Yeah. It could maybe even closer to, um, just because of some of the bonuses, you know, the, the big one that the media is now, um, talking about is no parking. Um, so those things all kind of came about and we talked to one of our mentors, you know, the goal, the original goal is, Hey, we want to flip 75 homes and, and develop one or two properties a year. And our advisor basically said, you guys are insane if you don't go all in on the development side. Um, so we, we actually decided to shift those numbers and it was, Hey, let's flip 10 properties a year to pay the bills. Uh, but let's go all in and let's figure out this development thing because it can go away at any time. You know, yeah. the, the city, as we know, um, can, or just change the rules of engagement, um, which, you know, drastically changes formulas. Well, political um, will changes like the wind, right? Yeah. So- yeah. And we're, we're about to go into the next political season, you know, over the next 12 to 13 months, um, and there's other factors out there that are just so many unknowns um, that I don't I don't choose to get caught up in on the emotional side of it, but just figuring out how is that going to affect me personally, my family personally, um, and our business. Um, and and if we're trying to make this impact on San Diego, um, because we really do believe what we're doing 
And the way that we're doing it is going to bring a lot of positive impact to a lot of areas, bring some um, somewhat of affordable housing. Um, one of our projects, we're building um, 40 units and a property just finished, um, apartment complex just finished, highly amenitized, pool, rooftop deck, all that stuff. But they're paying 30, people are paying $3,200 for a studio, um, oh. you know, in Bay Park. And we're going to build something, you know, that that doesn't have those amenities um, because not everybody wants that and be five to $800 less expensive for a nice brand new building, um, you know, that still allows you to be in that same community. Well, now as a working individual or a, maybe a, a young couple or, or uh, any anyone, um, you know, if I have an extra $700 in my pocket, I can that's going to, that's going to go some places that goes to groceries, you know, and as we know, um, affordability is a, it is a big problem. Um, and that's everything not just here. shelter. Right. It's everything in San Diego. Right. So, so we want to bring that, we want to, we want to be something different. We want to, you know, really be the change that we want to see in San Diego and, and have that as a, as an option, you know, yeah. we know we're not going to be everything to everyone. Um, and we don't want to compete with, um, you know, the high-end, high-end products. So we're building, but we want to, we want to have something nice that's affordable as well. Not the, the lower end products that we're, we're seeing that we could, we could buy already, already and then fix up. And then, but then you're, again, you're, you're charging, you got to charge premiums uh, to get those returns back. So yeah. we feel like we figured out something different here. Um, and that, that's where we're kind of at right now is we're in permitting, going into permitting on three different projects, acquiring our fourth project. Our goal is to bring 500 units. Um, I, I said earlier, we're 108,000 units short is the the number that has been told to me by, by multiple different sources. We're only bringing 500, you know, it's a, it's a big number, but it's, it's a small blip. Um, yeah. and it's a small it's percentage. A small it's a small dent, a big problem. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's, and that's okay. You know, we're, we, we're got to work on what we can work on. And, and uh, so, yeah, we're, we're solving new, new problems. Uh, you know, I'm nowhere in my story from graduating, you know, with 35 kids to flipping a, a Rancho Santa Fe house has anything to do with demolishing a single family and building a five over one construction. Yeah. Um, but all the lessons along the way have got me to exactly where I'm at and, you know, you take on big challenges and you, you just figure it out. You, you surround yourself with the good people, the right people um, and, and people that want better for the community and better for themselves and better for the people around them. And magic happens. It's who you surround yourself with, right? That's why, that's why I love being surrounded by you. Hey, you too, brother. I appreciate <laughs> that. All right. So this has been quite a journey. <laughs> So what does tomorrow look like? You know, uh, it it's it's it looks like similar today. You know, I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read my Stoic journal. Uh, I'm have a believer in and Stoicism. I'm gonna journal. Um, you know, I'm going to prepare myself for my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, now I have I have three children. Uh, 15, 12, and eight years old. And I 
mentally prep myself for them to to walk down those stairs and come eat breakfast. But I I I owe it to them to be the best version of myself uh, to accept them. And you know I fall short because I'm human. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time with them. I'm going to cook them breakfast. I take my son to middle school every single day. Um, you know then I'm going to either go to the office or I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get to work and I'm going to, I'm going to challenge myself every single day to do hard things. Um, I've fallen back in love with doing hard things. That's why I do go to the gym, lift heavy weights, run, run distances. I didn't think that I could run just to prepare my mind of, Hey, we're, we're doing hard things and we don't have to be afraid of it. That's what, you know, Ryan holiday is one of my, uh, an author that I, I like to to read and listen to, and you know he's he's the daily stoic um, writer, but he wrote a book that the obstacle is the way. And uh, I think for a, a time in my life, even though you know we just kind of went over the highlights, but there there are always times in our lives that we we shy away from the hard things, and it's a lot easier in the moment to to not do the hard things, um, and it's a lot more difficult to choose to do the hard things. And so that's what I'm choosing to do every day. Um, you know, and then I spend quality time with the family at night. It's, it's, uh, it's a few things, but you know, it's more meaningful right now. You know, it's human. It's absolutely human to avoid the hard things. You have a part of your brain that is literally programmed to protect you. Yeah. The saber tooth tigers next door. Yeah. And you have a conversation going on all the time. Right. And there's this battle. Okay. And it's, you know, Tony, Tony Robbins talks about it a lot where he'll go and he'll do the hard things first thing in the morning because he's yep. training his brain. Look, we're doing this. That's it. Yep. Right. Yep. And so a lot of times when you look at high performers like you are, they have a trigger. And that trigger is as soon as their brain starts trying to protect them, they're now triggered to go. They're just yeah. going, period. They're not going to think about it. They're not going to worry about it. They're not going to be concerned about it. They're just going to go because they're either going to succeed or they're going to learn. <clears throat> I really feel like that's the story of your life is you've either succeeded or you've learned, buddy. Yeah, I, I a thank you. I'm, I'm grateful for you, but I'm also grateful for that acknowledgement. Um, and that's really one of my... <laughs> favorite sayings right now and I say it to my kids I say it to my wife I say it to everyone who's around me you know we're either winning or we're learning yeah and I know that's a cliche but shit those are the, the you're getting two outcomes you yeah. know every everything that we're doing you're getting two outcomes you're getting the outcome that you're looking for and you consider that a win or you get a different outcome and I'm choosing right now in this moment that that's a learning outcome um and we're still getting outcomes. You're always getting outcomes or, you know, what I tell my kids is we're always getting consequences and yeah. it's not, that's not a negative thing. You're just, you're getting it. You know, you don't, you can detach from the positive and, and negative because that is just a feeling. Um, but these things are happening and, and you're right. You know, you just train your mind to, it's so much easier for me now to do the hard things in the morning. Cause Come noon, I'm, I'll be honest, you know, when you start your day between five and six every day, I'm tired by noon. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready for a nap. And, and, but I'm also treating that as, you know, that's the second part of the day, you know, where I take care of some of the mundane things business wise. But, you know, my kids 
I, I like to pick up my kids from school as well. Um, I take my son to soccer. Um, I took my son to swimming lessons, you know, at 345. We've really been intentional um, since moving moving down here, especially. You know, we're, we're two blocks away from the ocean. We're very, very blessed to be where we're at. Um, but we've, we've made it very, very intentional that whatever we're doing, we're going to be intentional, but we're going to do it by design. So everything that we do is, is by choice. There's no more doing it because somebody else tells us to, um, which is, it's funny because it's almost counterintuitive. You tell people that you're thinking, oh, they just, they have it easy. We're actually just choosing to do the really hard things right. over and over and over. Um, but it now has allowed us to, to spend more more time. Um, one of my, one of my favorite mentors, John Broman, um, who now runs the front row dads, um, that I was a part of for years, but he said, you know, the goal is to become a family man with a business, not a businessman with a family. Yeah. Um, and that, that, uh, that has been one of my North stars, um, as well as some other big, big things, but, uh, just designing that, you know, like I said, taking my son yesterday to, to swim, um, and then, having my other son in the car and throwing the football around with, you know, him and I had made a commitment to, to practice football for 10 minutes a day and practice soccer for 10 minutes a day. You know, and if we do that every single day, he's going to be, he's going to hit the goals that he wants to hit. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a fun life, you know, and, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. There's stress every single day. Uh, <laughs> there, there are moments I don't want to do any of it. And I'll be honest, you know, I was, I was looking at my day coming into this morning, you know, I, I wake up, you have a couple, you have a couple red flag texts and oh shit texts and, and storms happening and fires happening at one of your properties. And, and you're like, I, I almost texted you at eight o'clock and said, Hey buddy, I just can't make it work today. But, but I'm also, you know, again, learning and, and dedicating. If I, if I say I'm going to do something, then I do it. And that brings me wholeness and, and wholeness is the definition of integrity. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to keep that commitment and, and shit, how, what do we know? I do this and I feel so much better. Oh. Uh, not only because I stick to my commitment, but I get to spend, you know, I get to spend an hour with a really good human being and friend. So thank you, man. I hope it was worth it. I, it certainly was for me. I, 100%. every moment that I get to spend with you, I cherish. And I, appreciate that. I said this earlier, you truly are one of my favorite human beings in the world. Um, and I love you. You know that. So, love you, brother. Uh, so is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? No, I mean, I, I'm so happy that you're doing this. I know we've talked about this in the past, you know, and everyone does have a journey and a story and and we're always, you know, an hour seems like a long time, but we're scratching surfaces and, yeah. and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for taking that leap. Not many people will do it. Um, so I want to acknowledge that, that, that piece of it as well. And, and grateful that, that you are doing it because, you know, even if, even if you have one listener and one listener gets one message and you create that butterfly effect, um, you know, it's going to bring beauty to the world and and that's what we're here to do so yeah, I'm grateful for you brother we're all about inspiring and motivating people and thank you that means more to me than you can possibly know um but we're all about inspiring and motivating people and i guarantee you your story 
when people hear it is going to inspire and motivate them. You're a leader. You absolutely are. And you have been for a long, long time. And I could not be more proud of you if I tried. Thank you. Thank you. How about those Sooners too? We can end with yeah. that. I mean, they're un they're undefeated. They're they're making a run at the playoffs. I see you got your Sooner Sooner uh, maroon on. Yeah. Well, actually, this is my this is my tee it up for Marines red. Uh, uh, we it. got this last year at the golf tournament. Every year, the first Marine division in Camp Pendleton they have a foundation, and every year they do a golf tournament out at Camp Pendleton. I've been wanting to do it for twelve years. Finally, got in last year got a buddy of mine in with me and we played again this year. So this is awesome. my, you know, this is my tee it up for Marines. So, awesome. uh, but yeah, right. it's, um, it's similar to the red that we wear on, on uh, game day. So, but thank you, man. Right. I'm super proud of them. You know, I've, I've been a, a fan as you well know, since I was like seven years old and as yeah. I got older, it just got worse. So boomer sooner. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. You have a fantastic day. We'll catch you. Up. Thank you again. I love you. All right. Bye. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out Calendly.com slash Rio 760.